Good morning, people. This is September 24th, and it is my birthday. I just woke up and decided to do a podcast. Today, I'm, I'm checking like a, a an article that is uh, in drbicuspid.com, and it says, can hypnosis relieve acute dental pain? Now, this is really interesting, because if this actually works, sign me up, please. But as indicated in the article, like uh, people still need to see more evidence of this. Not everyone is pretty sure about it. Even though the author, Anushka Erin Mers of the University of Bern in Switzerland, says that hypnosis offers a possible alternative to conventional pain medications that can be used relatively easy by a trained practitioner. And over here, like they say, hypnosis has been reported to reduce intraoperative and postoperative pain as well as the use of analgesics in various dental procedures, such as tooth extraction. That is really, really awesome. If, if it works. Because yesterday I was with my friend. He's been having tooth problems like for, I don't know, for the past year or so. Here's the thing. Uh, dental insurance, health insurance in Japan covers dental treatment too. But since the fees are very low, dentists don't make so much money with it. So what ends up happening is that they end up seeing a large number of patients in a very small time. So every patient basically gets around 30 minutes of share time. And uh, for People like with uh, advanced dental problems, like something, some people like my friend, for example, who has endo and endo is like treatment of the pulp of the tooth, the innermost part of the tooth for people who are not dentists who are listening to the podcast. And these usually take longer time. Like you have to be careful. You have to make sure that you remove all the tissue from the inside of the tooth. You have to make sure that you are not exceeding the root length and that you're going out of the canal. And uh, there are a lot of things to think of when you're doing this kind of treatments. And doing everything in 30 minutes is very difficult. So this is why insurance is good and all, but Unfortunately, doctors or dentists who practice dentistry in the real world have something else to deal with. They have bills to pay, right? So they end up having to, you know, going through as many patients in a very limited time. And this is like another discussion for another day, but I was just wondering like, because my friend is suffering. <laughs> Yesterday we went out. And he was not happy. He he was in pain. I'm, I'm just wondering if this hypnosis thing actually works. Especially, you know, for patients who, who have like contraindications to have, you know, these medications. It's This is actually a, quite an interesting point of view. As reported in here, as written in, in this website, drbicuspid.com, that 
hypnosis can be used as an adjunctive to local anesthesia and to increase the effectiveness of other pain relieving techniques. It has been the subject of more than a dozen clinical studies, which were the focus of the new systemic review and meta-analysis. And here, like in the article, it says like five electronic databases were screened for studies published between 1989 and 2021. A total of 27 papers were included in the study and a meta-analysis was performed. Although there were only a small number of studies, the evidence confirmed that positive effects of hypnosis on acute dental pain relief. Hypnosis reduced intraoperative and postoperative pain and reduced the number of analgesics needed in dental procedures like tooth extractions, the authors wrote. I can only see benefits of this thing actually works, you know? I think we would need a lot more evidence to prove that this actually works. I mean, this is an, a, a meta-analysis, you know, a lot more details about the training needed for this technique, right? So I don't think anybody, <laughs> it's not a movie, right? <laughs> you could just uh, use that uh, swinging clock and then ask your patient to get hypnotized. But anyway, so this was this article was published in the Journal of Dentistry on June sixteenth. So it's uh, a little while ago. It's quite fresh out the oven, not fresh out the oven, but you know, I will link the the article in the description if you're interested in in reading more about it. But definitely on the more interesting part of things, you know. Moving on, there is. Uh, and this was on Dental Tribune, right? And they say graphene coating that releases antibacterial acid prevents formation of biofilm on dental implants. Graphene, for people who haven't heard about it, is a single layer of carbon atoms tightly bound in a hexagonal honeycomb lattice. This is from graphenia.com. And the interesting thing about it, I, the first time I heard about it was before me coming to Japan and I thought I want to do some research about it and I actually, I think I talked to my professor about it but they were not interested, <laughs> the department was not interested in using this material and you know trying to make it in-house and then trying to use it for research but anyways. This article says that this material it releases antibacterial acid and prevents formation of biofilm on dental implants. The researchers covered graphene material with usnic acid, which shows, according to previous studies, good bactericidal properties. In addition, it has been tested for its resistance to the pathogenic bacteria Staphylococcus aureus and Staphylococcus epidermidis, which are known to cause biofilm formation on medical implants. The usnic acid was successfully integrated into the surface of the graphene material, and the researchers observed the usnic acid molecules were released in a controlled and continuous manner, thereby preventing the formation of biofilm on the surface. This is an essential requirement for the method to work, explained Pandit. Pandit added that the result shows that the method of binding the hydrophobic molecules to graphene is simple. It paves the way for more effective antibacterial protection of biomedical products in the future. We are now planning trials where we will explore binding other hydrophobic molecules and drugs that even greater potential to treat and or prevent various clinical infections, he continued. I will also link the study, but 
This reminds me of an interview I did with uh, Professor Imazato, Imazato from Osaka University on, on the, pod, the other podcast that I do, which is uh, All Pulp No Fiction. So if you're interested, give that a listen. He talks about incorporating materials or like bioactive materials. And this is quite interesting. And th- this is the quite interesting part. Bioactive materials, like usually they're active for a little while and then they lose their effectiveness when time passes by. And this is one of the issues that newer research is trying to deal with and hoping that bioactive materials can actually work over a long period of time and will only work when it's needed to. So, for example, in, in glass ionomers, like uh, fluoride is released and is one of the components that help in remineralizing the tooth. However, after a while, the fluoride amount in the glass ionomer starts to decrease. And this, is, this has been an issue that you know, after a while, like using these glass ionomers, the the benefit of using the glass ionomer kind of reduces since, you know, not so much fluoride is being released. There are some techniques that has been used in some papers about, you know, kind of recharging the material itself with ions. However, uh, the, uh, the better way, something that is, you know, was discussed by Professor Imazato is that if the material would only release ions once it's needed. So if there are some active caries that is happening, if you know the saliva level drops, the pH level drops in the saliva and some initial cavitation works happen, then that's when the fluoride will be released and that's when it will help in remineralizing the tooth structure. That would be the best way to go. So with regards to this uh, graphene coated the implants, I guess. We might be seeing a lot more material interactions like this in the future, because right now the move into bioactive materials, and and this sounds like so sci-fi, but I'm actually looking forward to those kinds of materials. They they would be helping a, you know, to cover the shortcomings that we have now with our dentistry and and dental materials. Anyways, so these were a couple of articles and a couple of papers that I will be sharing down below in the comment section. Uh, We will go over one, (laughs) you know, as usual, a Reddit post. And he tagged, uh, oh, hold on, like I need to need, like the names in Reddit, like we talked about this. This is quite interesting. Prestigious ad 4457. And he posted this a week ago, tagged it with humor. And he said he decided or she decided, I, I don't know, I haven't read it. So I want to have a genuine reaction to the post. But the title said, I decided to quit my PhD. Quite interesting right off the bat, to be honest. But this is what he's saying. This is my third semester in my PhD program. I have sent my research proposal progress to my supervisor gradually. And of course, the SV only replied after a month or two. However, I kept on being persistent so that I could make progress. Fast forward, I met her on an annual meetup last two weeks to present my progress. She was being so emotional and sarcastic. She pointed out mistakes as if she didn't check before. I'm totally okay with this, but 
Another thing is she has attitude problems. She talks down arrogantly and boasted about having 25 other PhD students under her. Every single time I texted her to ask if I could use studies, papers to support my work, she always responded with such remarks, I have other 25 students under me and I cannot remember everything off the cuff. Recently during the meeting, she even asked me to change my topic. I asked her from what angle are we looking at this phenomenon? And she replied, I don't know, I don't have the answer. You go back and redo it. Show me progress in another three weeks. She also said that she's going to retire or in another three years and I should work fast. Damn. So bye bye. Yeah. I, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, this happens. It, it's, you know, reading this makes kind of no sense. I mean, to be honest, if you can't as a PI, you know, and I I always try to cut PI some slice, you know, cut some slack, not slices, <laughs> cut them some slack because, you know, like uh, they have a lot on their plates. They, they have to manage many things at the same time. You know, like this PI has 25 students under her and... But it's also about balance. If you cannot take care of 25 students, then why would you have 25 students? Why would you have all of these projects going on simultaneously if you are, because this is basically you not doing your job. I mean, the PhD students have to do their part and they have to search for information, but you also have to know what's going on with them. And the answer is, uh, I don't know. I don't have the answer. You go back and redo it. I don't know if a PI would ever speak like that, but I know, so, yeah, to be honest, yeah, some people. So I I think, yeah, some of them do. It's quite interesting how, you know, I, I, I would really like to hear about this from a PI's point of view. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to have a PI on my on this podcast. And I really want to hear what their thought process is. All that we're hearing, like all these posts, all of these kind of people complaining are P PhDs and, you know, postdocs. I, I really want to hear what's going on on the other side. Like, wh what do they have to say for themselves? Why put all this pressure or it's just like, yo, I've been in this. You're going to have to go through it, too. I know people who finish their PhDs with minimum fuss. And, and this is something that I forgot about. Like, I know so many people who suffered through PhDs that it makes me forget about the other ones that actually didn't have to go over the limits and uh, lose sleep and kind of think of quitting the whole program just to finish it. Some people actually go through it smoothly. And it it really comes down to the... Uh, obviously, you know, they, they worked hard. I'm not saying that they didn't work hard, but it, it has a lot to do with the PI. It has a lot to do with the person supervising them. So I, I have no idea, like, why why do people behave this way? But yeah, hopefully things get better. I will try to have a PI on my podcast. If you know somebody, if you are someone who's listening to this and you are a PI or like you supervise PhD students or have a department would like to talk about it, I mean, please do send me a message. But yeah, this is it for me today. Uh, a very quick podcast. 
on my birthday. I am off to Tokyo Game Show, by the way. I'm going to have to wrap this up quickly. So thank you for everyone that is listening. And I will see you in the next one. Thank you guys for tuning up. See you next week or next episode. Hopefully before next week. Let's see. Anyways, bye-bye. Peace.